It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Eastern Conference seems to be pretty much set in terms of the contenders, the pretenders, and everyone in between, at least until a Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell trade happens. But in the meantime, we can talk about how the East looks today. And we do so on today's show with John Corrales from Locked on Celtics, the only acceptable Celtics fan in the world, as we dig into the top of the Eastern Conference, where the Celtics and Sixers and Bucks slide in. Are the Heat up in that tier, or are they closer to the Raptors? And are the Raptors locks to make the playoffs or potentially even get home court? We talk about all that and more as we run through the East with John Corrales on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1220 of locked on raptors for thursday july the 21st i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors and you can follow subscribe to rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts in audio form you can also go to youtube and subscribe to the show on youtube for free it's much appreciated when you do that as it is appreciated when you make us your first listen of the day every single day all right on today's show we are talking with john corrales of locked on celtics about the eastern conference the top which teams are the real contenders to win the east next season who could emerge from the bottom tier of the conference and jump up who's at risk of sliding down and where do the raptors slot into it all we get into all of that on today's show with our pal john corrales let's get to it without further ado Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics, my old pal who I haven't talked to since the regular season was going on because we've had no course to, but 
buddy, it's the off season. We have things <laughs> to consider now that signings and trades have been made and all the big trades that seem like they might happen might not happen until everyone's back from vacation. So it feels like a pretty good time to dig in and take a look at the Eastern Conference and where things stand uh, through the lens of our two teams. Uh, but I guess to begin with, you know, the sort of the, the, the defending champions of the Eastern Conference, we should probably begin with them, I suppose. Uh, they're quite good. They got Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't really lose a whole lot uh where are you at with the celtics to kind of begin this thing off we should probably start with the defending eastern conference champs and where they slot into the what i think a lot of people have is like a four-team group at the top of the eastern conference but is there an argument to maybe be made that like the celtics are on their own in that group uh i don't think they're on their own i think they're they're definitely in that in that mix and and potentially potentially the top team in the East, I think uh, Milwaukee and and Philly can certainly make a claim there, and then we'll see where the Kevin Durant saga brings everybody after that. But I'd say those are the teams that can all make a case. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, it might even come down to, like it did this past season, it might come down to the last week of maneuvering where, oh, here's, here's Milwaukee and Boston and – is Boston going to arrest everybody and try to get a more advantageous road <laughs> to 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 where you know like uh, I I I think it could be that close, but Boston certainly I think there's two factors here for the Celtics. Obviously, they got better. They they only lost Daniel Tice, and really Daniel Tice wasn't exactly a huge piece of Ime Udoka's puzzle. Uh, Aaron Neesmith could potentially turn into a decent player, but that was never going to happen in Boston. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has been getting less opportunity, not more. So a place like Indiana could be a a, a team that gives him that chance. And then after that, it was a bunch of no-name guys that were mainly signed because of the pandemic and and COVID. Uh, Sorry, Nick Stauskas. But (laughs) yeah, watch. This is a Canadian program. At least half of it is. Uh, Watch watch your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but adding Brogdon, adding Gallinari obviously makes them better. Now you have a, a solid nine-man rotation, 10 if you include Peyton Pritchard, who has had some opportunities to thrive and, and has and, and has also had DNPs. So he'll, he'll be an interesting case, but they're, they're a pretty good team, one through nine. And also the other element is individual improvement, their own – dealing with their own games, but also their own mentality where, you know, Grant Williams went on Duncan Robinson's podcast and basically admitted, yeah, we, we were immature. We didn't take certain things as seriously as we probably should have. And it cost them in extending the Milwaukee series and extending the heat series. And then that really, really cost them against the golden state warriors in the finals. So uh, hopefully a bit more maturity, uh, a bit, uh, a summer to improve their own individual games and added players will make the Celtics a very formidable team and a contender for the NBA championship. It, it gives me no pleasure to b- boast about how good the Celtics are, but they, they're really good and they make me scared of what they could do in the Eastern Conference this season. You know, they, they didn't get rolling until the second half of the season last year they were what 25 and 25 at one point if they can capture one at one point that's wild man like if they can capture the 
like unbelievable defense combined with like the explosive Tatum. All right. Hi, I'm one of the 10 best players alive. You know, that sort of thing that he had going. I, I, I think they could rack up like we didn't see a, a high wins team last year, right? A 53 wins got the first seed in the Eastern conference. I would probably venture a guess that with maybe a couple extra teams joining the Victor Wembanyama off and with the Celtics just kind of having their group together and a lot of continuity, I would guess the Celtics are probably going to lead the Easton wins and probably get close to 60, if not over 60. Because it's not often you don't see a team kind of run away with it. Last year, I think, was kind of a very specific set of circumstances. Um, I'm interested in what you think about Philly. Because I just watched the Raptors play Philly in the playoffs, and I was not terribly impressed. The Raptors were super hurt. They, uh, you know, kind of pissed away a game three that they probably could have won and then turned the series entirely. And, you know, instead, Joel Embiid hits that game winner, and they go up 3-0. And even though they kind of flirt with coming back, it was always going to be a tall order. But then they go and they, today, re-sign James Harden for less money, and they go and bring in P.J. Tucker for maybe too much money. But hey, it's P.J. Tucker. You got to do it. They get Daniel House. They get the Anthony Melton, which I think is just such a good move. One of the better moves of the entire offseason, in my estimation, for what that Sixers team desperately needs. And it, again, pains me to say it as someone who does not like this team very much in my day-to-day watching of basketball and enjoying the sport. But I think the Sixers are going to be really, really good again. Would you say that they're probably the closest contender to the Celtics, at least for the regular season crown? You know, I know I know the Bucks are there and they have Giannis and that's always going to make them a problem in the postseason, especially if they're fully healthy with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Not that I need to remind Celtics fans of what Chris Middleton could have done to that second round series. Uh, but do you think regular season wise, just with the depth and maybe sort of like a, a, a renewed sort of... Uh, I don't want to, I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for here is, but like this is this will actually be the first year that we get to see the Harden and Bead thing full through an entire year. Do you think that could leave them to kind of be there slugging with the Celtics for potentially the top seed? Yeah, Philly Philly can stake a claim. I feel like Milwaukee is still going to be in that mix. I mean, they were pretty close this past year and they had a really tough turnaround when it came to um coming off their championship and then you had uh Middleton and Holiday coming off of the Olympic run and and all of that. So and and they were still right there. They had a chance. They were within striking distance of the top seed. So I think I think Milwaukee is is very close. And with Giannis, I'm, not, I'm just not going to count them out. But Philly has a chance to to make that that run as well. He, Philly Philly is such a fascinating team. Because they did, they made great moves. The Melton move, like you mentioned, is a a huge, uh, huge steal for them. And then they they tinker around the edges with with House and with Tucker. Good ancillary signings, and obviously Harden seems like if you're if you're out there willing to give up money to kind of. You say, "Hey, go go sign who you need to sign, and then give me the rest." That that is a good sign for Philly that he's going to come in kind of hungry, uh, because otherwise, why would you do that? Why would you mm-hmm. tell them to go sign good players and, and give me less money if you're going to be lazy about it? Just say, "No, give me give me all the money. Who cares about what you're going to do? I'm going to loaf through it anyway, so it doesn't matter." So, uh, and then Embiid, the Embiid thing is is also fascinating because. He has always been motivated to go for an MVP 
Yeah. And he continues to not get them. And I'm not here to open up that can of worms. What I am going to say is <laughs> it's the off season, but it's not that deep in the off season that, yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait on that. that. That's at least September conversation. <laughs> but the maybe, maybe, and I'll, I'll, from a Philly perspective, my hope would be okay. We get it, Joel. You want an MVP. Calm down a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. And if it happens, it happens. What's going to get you the MVP is the Sixers being really good. And and maybe maybe he ends up losing it. What a side note, what a kick in the sack it would be if Harden wins the MVP. Finally, <laughs> finally Philly is good enough to get an MVP and it's Harden. Oh my god. Uh, that he might ask be, for a trade. He might be done. That might be it. I think Embiid <laughs> might cry and start a fight. Uh, but if I'm if I'm if I'm a, a Philly, you know, if I'm in that Philly front office or in that Philly coaching staff, I'd just say, look, Joel, just play your normal game. Don't go too crazy. We're gonna have to rest you. Maybe you don't play some back to backs. We're gonna limit your minutes to like 33, 32. And and if that you know that that might cost you some votes, but what what's really going to do it for you is if you win a championship. And honestly, if he is great and they win a championship, then he might get the hey, uh, we'll vote for him next year kind of MVP that delayed MVP. I mean, he might be due for one of those anyway. So yeah. I, I think I think Philly has a very high ceiling yeah also you never know with these guys and b can can hurt get hurt harden can suddenly lose interest uh and if one of those if those two things happen if one of those things happens then the entire thing can go down the toilet and all of a sudden docs out people are getting (laughs) traded you know uh harden's opting out next summer Harden, Yeah. yeah harden's like Spending the you know spending January on a hiatus at a strip club, it's just it's you never know. So they they certainly have a case to be made for championship contender. They will be one of the contenders, one of the favorites. But they they have reasonable potential for a low floor. We have more coming up with John Corrales as we dive into the middle part of the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, which features heavily some Toronto Raptors talk. We will get to that in just one second. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are amazing and are making the best tasting protein bars around. And they've also joined the brownie puff game, the coconut brownie chunk puff game, that is to be exact. We've talked about the puffs for Built Bar on this podcast before, and they are fantastic. They are marshmallow mellowy they are sweet they are delicious and they are good for you they make it feel like you're indulging with a very very decadent snack when actually there's some really good stuff in there including collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits you can eat something that tastes good and is good for you and they're only available for a limited time so make sure you don't miss out they're going to go fast because they taste amazing the best part of a built puffs is of course that they taste wonderful and you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you they're perfect treat 
whether you have a craving, a late night snacker like me who wants to fill that void, it's right there. It's a quick, healthy snack, and they are an excellent source of that collagen protein, which is very good for your body. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go get yourself some puffs. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on now with our conversation with John Corrales breaking down the Eastern Conference and where it stands in the middle of July with presumably still a couple moves to be made, but they may not be made for a very, very long time. Let's get to it. Yeah, I think they're going to win a lot of games, but I also am holding off on, like, of the sort of trio of Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, I think I'd still slot Philly in third in terms of, like, championship equity just because, I mean, great. James Harden signed for less money. Can he move? Because in the playoffs last year, he couldn't. Like, there were times where he couldn't get by Malachi Flynn in isolation. That's a problem. Like, I love Malachi Flynn. He's fine. Uh, you should not be having problems with Malachi Flynn if you're James freaking Harden in a playoff <laughs> series. And so I really am fascinated to see how the hamstring sort of recovers for him. Is that just a thing that was he was dealing with last season and it's gone behind him? Or is that a byproduct of being a 30-something-year-old player with a lot of miles on your legs? We'll see. I am going to hold sort of my my biggest Philly optimism until we actually see the product and how Harden actually looks, because I do think that's kind of the determining factor here. I'm curious about Miami because they were the one seed last year. They made it to game seven of the conference finals, as you well know. They obviously have Jimmy Butler, who is one of the, what, eight best players alive, like in the playoffs, at least regular season. He kind of chills playoffs. Playoff Jimmy's just a, a maniac. Um, you know, Bam is obviously great and missed a lot of time last season and probably is going like, to go enter the season as like the favorite for defensive player of the year because he was maybe you could argue the best defensive player in his very limited time last year. So I, I get the argument and like, you know, Eric Spolster is a really good coach. They coach to win really hard and they're a very good regular season win machine. I kind of wonder if maybe it behooves them to take a chill pill in the regular season a little bit and not try so hard with all of the very old players they have on their roster. Kyle Lowry, obviously, is going to be, what, 36, 37? You know, Butler's ain't not getting any younger. Where are you at with the Heat? Do you think they are still kind of in that top quartet of, like, legit title contenders among the East teams? And if so, you know, does do you even care what their regular season looks like as long as they get to the playoffs healthy? Yeah, Miami, I think, on paper is is the top of the next tier. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they're in that that championship. I, and I say that having just come off a series where Butler was, you know, the Celtics collapsed and Butler was a jumper away from sending them to the finals. So if any Miami Heat fans are listening to, to this, they'll be like, what are you, insane? But <laughs> – the thing with Miami is they they keep finding a way to get like Gabe Vincent becomes mm-hmm. 
a, a, a real important contributor. Max Struess becomes a really important contributor. And people will kind of make fun of heat culture. I believe in heat culture in that they are they they you have to buy in you have to be on the same page and you have to work hard and that is everybody's trying to build a culture and the heat have done it very very well but at the same time i mean how much more can they get out of those guys i, I just yeah. feel like at some point the wheels are going to have to come off and eric spolstra's bag of magic dust that he sprinkles onto these marginal players to become really important, good players. I think that's got to run out at some point. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Bam is, is if Bam at a bio can get more, like be, become a more complete player, learn when to be aggressive, be, you know, learn some of what Jimmy Butler has, uh, and they can figure out what to do with Duncan Robinson uh, if they can get him to be part of a functional defense at all, mm -hmm. uh, or or if they make a trade, if they turn around and make a trade. We just talked about this on the the Lockdown NBA podcast. Jake Madison and I, we we said, you know, how how good is Miami's trade package really? Which we both it agreed stinks. Okay, Tyler Hero. What are we doing with Tyler Hero? I'm going insane. <laughs> He's fine. He's totally fine. He's not getting you Kevin Durant. What are we talking about? Right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that, with the volume turned down to about seven, ra rather than the <laughs> 11 that you were just at, was basically where we agreed uh, yeah. on that. But so, so what that tells you is that the, the heat, if we don't like the trade package, then that means the players aren't exactly as good as we think. It, it, it's made out to be like individually you put those players somewhere else. I don't think they're expected to do some of the same things. So mm -hmm. I just feel like Miami has been overperforming for so long. Maybe that's just where they are. Maybe just having Spolstra and having Butler and, you know, having the heat culture is enough to take a team and raise their ceiling by 20%. And that that's where Miami is. Because I really feel like they're about twenty percent better than they should be, uh, mm. so I, I can't, I can't get over that. And I think in the regular season, they they'll they'll still find a way to like. I, I feel I think these other teams are still better than Miami. Um, and like you said, a lot of guys are older, and mm. at some point that magic's going to run out too. I I do wonder if you know when they went to the bubble. I mean, all the teams that went deep in the bubble, except for, I guess, the Nuggets really struggled to, you know, make deep runs the following year. You know, teams that went super deep, right? Yeah. And I do wonder if maybe another deep playoff run where they go to Game 7 of the Conference Finals actually kind of hurts their bounce-back ability as an old team. Like, maybe that's just me being too simplistic about it, but they got old guys, man. And Kyle Lowry, you know, was super hurt in the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler was certainly not healthy either. They still almost got it done because they, again, all that magic pixie dust you were talking about. But I, I think I'm with you in that I probably put them just below that top tier of teams in the East. And then it leads me into the team that I like uh, and cover, the Toronto Raptors, who finished fifth in the East last year. Uh, two games clear of the Bulls, who were sixth. Uh, you got the Nets in seventh last year, 44 and 38. I don't know what to make of the Nets. Maybe they bring everybody back and everyone's happy and they win 60 games. Who's to say? I don't know. 
I'm going to assume it will be a tire fire again because it seems like they're just they saw the tire fire happen and we're like, what if we did that tire fire again <laughs> with everyone angrier? That one seems a little dicey to me. But you mentioned that you think the Heat are kind of in that next tier. How would you personally assemble the next tier of the East? And where does that tier cut off? Do you think? Let's call it, let's call this like not contenders, but like playoff locks or play in lock types. Yeah. So that that's going to be your Raptors, I think. Um, Miami, I think Chicago, if they can stay healthy, can stay in that in that tier. But at the lower end, and Brook- Brooklyn is the is, is the wild card here. I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know where I, the Knicks. I don't know where the Knicks ultimately fall. They they're they're a are wild we assuming card. they're getting Donovan Mitchell? I feel like that one we can almost assume. But I feel I, I really feel know. like we can assume that. So we got to see what that trade is, and then what's what's the ultimate final version of the Knicks? Do they trade Julius Randle because? of the if they get donovan mitchell is that something that happens what do they get back for him i need to see the final mix there the you tell you the final mix it looks something a lot like a worse version of uh dame and cj uh which yeah like i I don't so i i feel like i feel like this next tier is pretty small i feel like this next tier might just be miami and toronto as the like i i feel like miami and toronto will be safe from the plan i because I don't, I don't know exactly what Atlanta is going to pull off. I have no idea how Dejounte Murray and uh, Trey Young are going to work together. I don't know if they're done making moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how the Cavaliers are going to finally come together. Um, if that, if if that magic that they had at the beginning of the season was just because they were young and happy and no expectations, and what do expectations do to them? Mm-hmm. Charlotte, I'm kind of. I'm kind of like eh on Charlotte. The Knicks, I'm kind of eh. I think it's going to be a bad year for the Hornets, man. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, that's a whole other thing. So yeah. so let's just say Miami and Toronto are around out my uh, – so we're at five there. I've got my top three. Miami and Toronto make my top five. The Raptors – are maybe, and I say this in a very complimentary way, mm-hmm. the most annoying team in the <laughs> They just, you're just like, what do you do? What do you do with it? They're, they're, they're constantly good. And like, I don't know how. Uh, they throw weird things at you. I think I've said this on, on your podcast before. They'll throw every possible defense that they can get together on you. Nick mm-hmm. Nurse on the sidelines drives me nuts. Um, and then you go out and you somehow still find out a way to find an available six seven guy with a seven and a half foot wingspan. Like your entire team is wings with plus wingspans, and that just makes your entire defense very very difficult. And you know, Scotty Barnes is is a stud in the making. Fred Van Vliet just is a guy that you at the same time root for and hate, like, <laughs> you know, you're like, God, God I hate that guy. And uh-huh. I, like, it feels not great to have a five eleven guy owning you. I, I get it. No, it's like, <laughs> what, is this? what is happening here? You know, I say this all with like, seriously, like extreme, extremely in the most complimentary way possible because you, you constantly find ways 
to take this talent in, in a similar way to Miami, but not like not in that annoying culture way in the yeah. mad scientist was more mad scientist than than anything in Toronto. And it's like I can't I can't discount. Now, I don't know if Toronto Toronto's a wild card because you have a hell of a package to throw at Brooklyn if if you want to. And mm-hmm. what does that do? Because do, I feel like Toronto is kind of like floating along there in the KD sweepstakes. And now that things have quieted down and the Aiton thing has happened, other teams are now kind of like, all right, let's start coming out of the woodwork. Let's see what we can offer. Let's let's see how willing Brooklyn really is to have both of those guys come back. And if I was yeah. Toronto, I'd say, oh, let's let's give this a shot and let's see if we can do it without Scotty Barnes in the mix. Um, because if you can keep Scotty and you can get KD, well, now you got something there. Maybe maybe Toronto, if you can pull that off, depending on the move. Toronto leaps into the top four with these other teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many different machinations of trades. I, I don't think Scotty's getting dealt for for KD. And and I'd be a little. By the way, I wouldn't. Don't do I'd it. Be no. Very clear. No, no, no damn way am I doing that. No, not for a 34 year old dude with many many injuries. You just don't have any margin for error, right? Like one rolled ankle in a playoff series, and you've pissed away your whole future for nothing. So. I I'm pretty staunchly against trading Scotty, and honestly, I, I am growing more and more okay with the idea of the Raptors not trading for Kevin Durant, just because I think what they have in house is pretty impressive. And I maybe am crazy, but I'm like talking myself into like 53 wins at this point. They won 48 last year and weren't really whole until the middle of January, and they have nine very good NBA players assembling their rotation with the addition of Otto Porter, with Thad Young and Chris Boucher back, Precious Achua is going to turn some heads this year. I'm convinced of that. I think he should start. Uh, and then Scotty, obviously, you know, not to mention literally the all-NBA player they have in Pascal Siakam, who was fantastic yeah. last season well, as well. Here's the analogy I have for what I, where I think the Raptors kind of slot into the Brooklyn Nets thing. I'm getting married next week, John. Very excited about it. It's lovely. My fiance, far better person than I am. Far more beautiful, far more uh, lovely, passionate, I, I don't know your caring. Fiance. Yes, that's true. Yeah, obviously. So, uh, <laughs> love her. Uh, I am very thankful that she's settling for someone of the likes of me. In this Kevin Durant situation, I feel like the Raptors will be like me, and the Nets will be my fiance, who have everything to offer. Kevin Durant, literally my fiance, literally Kevin Durant, all the same thing. Just as wonderful, although she has more intact tendons. Uh, she, (laughs) she will have to, at some point, settle. She is for me. The Nets will, I think, at one point have to settle for a deal that maybe is not the grand package they've been looking for. And the best thing to settle for might be the Raptors package that includes OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., all the picks. And I would guess if it does come to it, Precious Achua may be the sweetener that you throw in to mm-hmm. beat some other deal when other teams are like, all right, best offers are on the table. What are you going to do, Nets? You have infighting happening in the middle of October on your team. Uh, what are you going to do? And I feel like if the Raptors are going to get KD, it's because they have settled. Much like if I am going to get a lovely wife, it's because my fiance is settled. So... That's kind of where I come at it. 
Um, and, but unlike the Raptors, uh, who will be fine if no, if the Nets don't settle for their package, I would be a broken mess. So that's where the analogy kind of falls short. Uh, <laughs> well, as as a lover of analogies, a known <laughs> analogy lover, uh, I can appreciate that one. That was fantastic. Also, congratulations, man. Good. Thank for you. you so much. Good Very for you. I, yeah. you know, it's, I'm glad the, the that Kevin Durant trade is going to happen while the wedding is happening or something. Sure. I know this is what's going to happen for sure. the symbolism. Two people settling at once. Uh, so <laughs> like the I Raptors, think... like the Raptors, you pulled off some weird magic and, and got a win that you probably didn't deserve. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yep, there you go. Uh, Yeah, and I think I'm with you in that. I think the Raptors are going to be kind of in that 4-5 mix. I I, I honestly would not be shocked if they got home court in the first round just with... I think they're going to be a bit of a regular season wins machine because that's what Nick Nurse teams tend to do when they don't get COVID uh, (laughs) and aren't playing in Tampa Bay. That's just kind of the way they roll, and they have enough guys now where I think they can kind of balance trying to win games while also not having to ride their guys 40 minutes a night like they did last year, which did not end well for Fred Van Vliet's hips and knees. Um, Who do you think... Like well, we can leave Brooklyn out of this because if they're fully functioning, then they're probably in that top tier anyway. With the moves they made to bring in Royce O'Neal, and they have, I guess, Ben Simmons. Who knows what the hell the deal is there? I don't know. Uh, you know, they 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 obviously will have a whole lot of talent if they do bring the crew back and go on some sort of revenge tour uh, of some kind. So we can leave them out of this. But it, what is the team? Beyond those, you mentioned Chicago. I'm not terribly thrilled about Chicago because I just think uh, they didn't really do a whole lot in the offseason. A lot of other teams got better. And Lonzo Ball not being fully healthy yet really, really worries me, man, because he was so important to them. So I don't think for me it's Chicago. But if there is a team outside of the top five from last season's East that jumps into the top five and displaces either a Miami or a Toronto... What team do you think that is? Is it a team from the play-in mix, or is it a team from the the eliminated teams that didn't make it last year? You know, the only ones of which that really tangibly improved were maybe Detroit and the Knicks. You know, and we they might yeah. get Mitchell, so maybe that kind of changes things here too. Even though I think that team will be so so bad defensively, it will make me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I don't see like Orlando, Indy, Washington. I I don't I don't I don't know what the hell Washington is really going to be their uh, uh, depression in basketball form is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, I, I don't know that, that that's a whole case study. Uh, I want to see what, what they end up doing by the trade deadline and how Bradley Beal feels about all of that stuff. So remember when they were eight and two last year? Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> People were like, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, that, that was, uh, no, those were some wild times. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know that anybody outside of the play-in is good enough. The Knicks will be good enough to make the play-in. Yeah. Um, the Pistons are going to be a fun team to watch. I think the Pistons are 
poised to be a very dangerous team maybe in the following season. And they mm-hmm. will be the team that gets like, – like last season they had a bunch of wins against teams that they probably should have lost to. In fact – All against the Raptors. Yeah. They, they yeah. never <laughs> lose to the Raptors. Dwayne Casey is undefeated. They will go 4-0 against the Raptors next year too. The Pistons were 13-40 and 40 against teams above 500. For a team that was second – like that, that's that's actually not bad to get 13 wins. And I think a lot of those came later in the, in the, uh, in the year. Mm-hmm. So I think the Pistons are a year or two away, but they will be – you'll have to go beat the Pistons because they still have a lot to prove. So if, you, if any team feels like they're going to waltz into Detroit and like, yeah, we, we got this win. We're going to – this is going to be the half asset because we're tired and it's mm. been a, a long road trip and we're just going to try to shoot our way to a win. You're going to lose that game against Detroit. Uh, but I don't know that they're going to make it I, – I, I think they're still going to be outside of the play-in looking in. So who jumps up from the play-in? Okay, we're leaving Brooklyn out of it because they – Whatever. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn's its own conversation. You know, I, if Atlanta gets their act together, then that that's going to be the team. Uh, because I... Not Cleveland? No, I mean, Cleveland maybe. I mean, it could possibly... I'm not, I'm not saying no. Um, I, just, I, I felt like they had a lot of their success was Ricky Rubio fueled. And when mm. Rubio went down, that kind of like changed a lot. Um, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They, they have a lot, they have a lot that you can hang your hat on. They've Garland. Um, um, just drew a blank on the, the second best rookie in the NBA. Yep. Yes. Mobley. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, they're painting all day. The paint fumes are getting to my head. It's all right. Uh, Scotty Barnes is just so amazing that you can't I mean, even just, think of any other rookies. He's the only one. Scotty Barnes and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it was very much. It was very much like that was the uh, the Seinfeld with the three tenors, and they're like, and that other guy. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know what? Atlanta, because I mean, Dejounte Murray is very good. Obviously, Trey Young is is exceptional. Uh, I feel like last year the Hawks went into the season, and, and I shouldn't even say I feel like they flat out said that they didn't care about the regular season last year. They went into the regular season saying, oh, yeah, after after a deep playoff run, the regular season is boring. And then they played like they were bored by the regular season, mm. and lo and behold, it cost them, and they had the early exit. So from – from an Atlanta perspective, you would hope, okay, if we take this seriously again, they can they can get. I mean, there were only three wins out of the six seed, so can they win five more games? Can they get up to being a fifty win team? I think the Hawks can do that. So I think the Hawks are a prime candidate to to make that that jump. The Cavs could be in there. This could come down to a tiebreaker. I mean, if we're already penciling in five teams. And there's only one slot left, and and Cleveland can be in the mix. I think Atlanta. I, I just I just put my stock in Atlanta for having been there. Um, yeah, and it's, that's 
that that's where I'm that's where I'm leaning. I think I probably like Cleveland a little bit more just because I think they can build a defense that's going to win you regular season games in a way that I I'll believe it when I see it that a Trey Young led team can build a real defense around Trey Young and DeJounte Murray's a great start at that uh you know DeAndre Hunter is awesome of course but I you know they've had very good defenders around Trey Young in the past maybe they have more now and there's no Kevin Herter to worry about but he still is so bad defensively that unless there's like a slight uptick into he's like not the worst defensive player alive, but is more like the 300th best defensive player alive. (laughs) Then you can talk me to the Hawks being like a regular season wins machine. I also think their run to the conference finals, not to be like all these runs are fake or whatever, but they played a couple of busted teams, man. That Knicks team stunk. That Knicks team was a for a, a, a benefactor of an Eastern Conference that was ravaged by COVID that uh, just happened to sort of like fall into a bunch of wins by being effectively annoying more than good. And like the Hawks beat them summarily, as I think you probably should have expected looking at them on paper. And then that Sixers team was the most broken team we've maybe ever seen to the point yeah. that they never played together again. So I will believe the Hawks thing when I see it. You know, certainly could happen and it'll look stupid. They could win 55 games and, you know, they're the the two seed. But I don't totally buy them as like a regular season whinge juggernaut just yet. Whereas the Cavs, I think, you know, you get Colin Sexton back from injury. I'm assuming they're going to bring him back at this point because no other teams have cap space. So I'm just uh, guessing he'll sign the the, the QO and be around for a year. I don't know. Um, You know, Kevin Love was really good last year. I don't know when Rubio is coming back from his injury. If he does come back, great. If not, at least they have his vibes in the room. And, you know, they get, like, Agbaji in the draft, and you get another year of Karis LeVert kind of getting acclimated, even though I'm not the hugest Karis LeVert fan. I think Isaac Okoro still has a little bit to tap into. Mm-hmm. I think that Cavs team could be pretty good, but I think I'm with you in that. Like, the top, top five feels pretty ironclad to me compared to the rest, barring some Nets thing that happens where they just become the Nets we thought they would be three years later. Um, my last question for you, John, because we're running long, is... Is the East going back to being the lesser conference after just one measly year of being the better conference? The West, I look over to the West now, and I'm like, maybe that's a conference. This East, five good teams, maybe six or seven you could talk yourself into. Uh, The West is going to be an absolute nightmare again, and I'm glad the Raptors and the Celtics are not in there. uh, Because, I mean, it'd be fun if the Celtics had to go play those teams, I guess, for my purposes. But uh, I I think we might be sitting here looking at that one-year 2021-22 window as the golden age of the <laughs> the Eastern Conference that lasted for a, a brief fleeting moment. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, Phoenix, I think Phoenix is due to come back down to earth a little bit. I don't think they're a 64-win team. So Phoenix Phoenix will be good, but I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Phoenix can be. Obviously, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas is just working my way down the standings from last year. They're all still very good. Denver Nuggets are going to, I think, could be the number one seed overall, uh, giving that everybody's healthy. So now you've got five good teams. Utah is very clearly not going to be one of those teams anymore. So mm-hmm. they're out. Uh, you can replace them with Minnesota if you want. Minnesota. I think the Wolves are going to be – everyone like knocks the trade. The Wolves are going to be awesome. They're going to win a lot of games, man. Sure. Um, and then, so that, that now puts you, that, that's your, that's your six. So in the East, we had a, a really good top five and then the Clippers are, are, are going to be really good. So that's seven, uh, assuming they're all healthy and, and I think at full strength. 
The Pelicans will probably be pretty good, so that's eight. Um, and then after that, Spurs I can see a Blazers out. bounce back. I think Blazers, have, Blazers will be their okay. moves made a lot of sense, even if they're not like the sexiest team. I, I think they their moves made a lot of sense. Like yeah, they'll building be okay. basketball it all depends team on as yeah. usual. Depends on yeah. Dame. Um, so yeah, so the West will be the better conference, um, very likely. But <laughs> you know, it, but let's be honest here. Okay, so the East was the better conference last year. I think the East still probably has out of out of the top the 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 league's top ten teams. Hmm. The East, I don't know. Three, they could have, they could four, they could it could, it could be split pretty evenly at the yeah. top. Um, but and then after, but then after this year, you have questions about where's Phoenix going to go. Yeah. Um, what what the, the the Clippers always seem to be hanging on by a thread. Um, uh, what's going to happen with Damian Lillard? So it's still kind of a tenuous kind of back and forth. I, I even if the West is back this year, it's not like it was in years past where it's very obvious. Like, oh well, here we go. Here comes all the real. You know, let's just eliminate conferences again. Like all that talk's going to come back up. Of course, yeah. you know. Once the East got good again, everybody's like, forget forgetting about that that plan. <laughs> but, um, I think, it's almost I think, as if these things, in theory, are cyclical. Although, right. you know, the West has had the run of it for a while. I, I don't think it'll yeah. last forever, though. I don't think I, I don't yeah. think this is the type of like extended run that we're because some of these teams in the West are due for drop offs pretty quickly. My my other thing too, just to close, is that as the thunder rolls in very loudly outside my window, uh, I I do think that the sort of big takeaway here is that the league is really good, and there are a lot of really good teams that can make a claim to being playoff teams, top six teams, what what have you. And I think it's a pretty awesome place for the league to be in. Yeah, there are probably going to be like six, seven teams that try to win 11 games next year to try to get Wembenyama. Uh, but like the teams that are good, I think it's going to be kind of like a lot of slugfests night to night in the Eastern Conference and beyond. John, we have gone far too long. We are going to wrap it there. I want to thank you for hanging out and, and talking ball. It's always fun to dig into the Eastern Conference with you, and I'm sure we'll chat plenty going into the season as the Raptors and Celtics are set to do battle at least four times this coming year, as they always do. Uh, where can people check out all your great stuff before we wrap up here? Oh, thanks. Uh, well, obviously, everything that I do will be tweeted out. Uh, so that's at John underscore Corrales. If you're watching on YouTube, is directly underneath my face the whole time. Uh, but if you uh, go to Boston Sports Journal, that's where my writing is. And obviously, all of my spoken word poetry is at LockedOnCeltics.com. Awesome. You can find me, of course, uh, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can read my blogs once in a while at Raptors HQ. And you can follow Locked On Raptors on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps every single day for free. Please make sure you do that. Also, go make your second listen of the day, Locked On NBA, hosted by that guy, at least one day a week with uh with John Carrat or sorry with Jake Madison whoopsie uh another bearded a far just handsomer man with a beard than I it's just handsomer Sean it's unbelievable bums me out every that's time what I call him Jake Madison day. you should uh <laughs> anyway we are going to wrap it there thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you again next time on either Locked On Raptors or Locked On Celtics bye-bye
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.